With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know, our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Toyo Open Country AT3. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. 56% of job seekers say their biggest challenge is finding a job that matches their qualifications, according to an Express Employment Professionals Harris Poll survey. The job search can be a lonely process, but Express Employment Professionals can be your one connection to finding a job that fits. Each year, hundreds of thousands of people find work through their local Express office. Find the location near you at ExpressPros.com. With no fees for job seekers, visit ExpressPros.com. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. What a great night in uh, in sports. I, I know that, like, we don't try and be fake about it in terms of how much we follow baseball. John and I, and, and Dan as well. Dan's a big Milwaukee Brewer fan. Um, Ryan Music and I are big Angel fans. Ramos is our resident Dodger fans. Ramos, are you bothered by the Dodger fever, which I have I have caught? I am not bothered by that. If uh, there's a term that we use, it's called ah, uh, I shouldn't say bandwagon. That's that's no, no, a, it's a bandwagon. Yeah, it's a bandwagon. It's okay. No, if if you want to jump on the ride, uh, it's all open. You know, um, here's what's interesting. Last night, Clayton Kershaw pitched a, a gem. Uh, it wasn't just that he only gave up one run, which was a solo home run. It was that he he had swings and misses, right? Matter of fact, he had eight strikeouts, six innings pitched, a, a, a complete and thorough domination of the Rays. Now, the Rays are not the lineup of the Astros, which when we last saw him in a World Series against the Astros, it was, not, it was not good. Or at least that's what we think. Here's what I always find to be super, super curious, right? If I say Clayton Kershaw, for a long time, we used to call him Clayton Manning which I think is probably the best nickname, right? Clayton Manning. Because Peyton Manning, though he has two Super Bowls, is known for being a slightly above or a 500 quarterback in the playoffs as opposed to a well over 500 quarterback. Arguably, when he retired, this is what people forget, that because Brady's won Super Bowls recently, all of a sudden now it's Brady's the greatest of all time. There was a good period of time there where, where Peyton Manning was considered the best quarterback of all time. Clayton Kershaw last night, six innings pitch, one earned run, eight strikeouts. When I tell you that he has always been a clutch pitcher, you're going to sit there and go, St. Louis Cardinals or Astros World Series. But I bet Dan Byer knows this one because he's a Brewers fan. 
Game seven, game seven of the NLCS, he came in to close out the ninth inning. He got two strikeouts. Uh, in the first game of the World Series against the Astros, we focus on, what was it, game six? Game six when he got when he got shelled? Game five, sorry, when he got shelled late in the game. But game one, seven innings pitched, one earned run against an amazing lineup, which most people believe had the goods on what pitch was coming at them. I point to, uh, there was an NLDS game four, a must-win game for the Dodgers back in 2015. Ramos remembers it. Seven innings pitched, one earned run. In Clayton Kershaw's playoff career, he has 13 starts. 13 where he has given up two or fewer runs. He has only six starts where he's given up five or more runs. And it's happened every time he's made it to the fifth inning. So so here's kind of the point. If you're nervous, if you're a choker, it, wouldn't you be super tight at the beginning of some of these games? Or wouldn't it be every time you pick up the baseball in the World Series? I, I'm not going to argue that there have been times in which he's gotten shelled, especially later in games. It happened to Pedro Martinez. Do you remember Pedro Martinez? Like, everybody has forgotten 2003 Pedro because 2004 Dave Roberts stole the base and they had the greatest comeback in the history of sports. Do you remember what happened in 2003? Pedro Martinez's numbers changed dramatically when he got over 100 pitches. Grady Little was his manager. They get through game, They get through the sixth inning, the sixth inning, with Pedro Martinez as the starting pitcher, and he shakes everybody's hands, and he puts on the old starter jacket, right? And then they, I think they added on a run in the sixth inning, so they throw him back out there, and he gets shelled. Pedro Martinez is, I think, inarguably, but maybe arguably, the best pitcher of my lifetime. That's how good Pedro Martinez. Go back and look. And remember, what Pedro was doing, he was doing during the height of the steroids era. And I'd like to think he wasn't on it. But even if he was, which I, I don't think he was never been mentioned, it, it, I find it hard based upon his body type, but I put it past nobody. He was the best pitcher of the steroid era. And the likelihood is he wasn't on the stuff. But as a great pitcher, he would have this thing. When he'd get to 100 pitches, he was hittable. And the same thing would happen to Clayton Kershaw. He'd throw over 200 innings, and then he'd get late into the game in the NLCS against the St. Louis Cardinals in the second start, and they get to the seventh inning or the sixth inning, and he'd get shelled. And, and so I don't know if the Dodgers win the series. They're the prohibitive favorites. It is still smart money to bet on the Rays because the Rays, it seems like every dude they have is 6'5 to 6'8 and throws 100, right? Like, wait, another guy throws 100? There's a righty that throws 100? Now a lefty that throws 100? Now a righty that throws 100? It's crazy. But have we gotten to the place to where we can go like, you know what? Clayton Kershaw is a hell of a pitcher. And has he had some, has he had some moments where he's thrown some pitches you'd like to take back? Sure. The game five against the Astros, we don't know if it's on the up and up. There, there's no excuse against the Cardinals several times over, but he was used a lot and it was late in games. And I guess my biggest point is, if you really are a choker, wouldn't you have been nervous last night? Or wouldn't in 2017, game one against the Astros, wouldn't you have been tight? Wouldn't you have been nervous and gotten shelled or walked a bunch of guys then? No, it, it didn't happen. And it didn't happen. So I'm not, this is not Doug Gottlieb telling you that you got it wrong about Clayton Manning, Clayton Kershaw, that he's not as good in the postseason as he is regular season. I think that's fair. I also think we can make that case about a lot of star pitchers because they're used and overused during the regular season and now the elongated postseason in order to get to that place. It's funny, Mariano Rivera, would anybody argue this, is the greatest closer of our generation, maybe any generation. Is that okay? You're not, you're sitting there driving your car, listening to the Doug Gottlieb show, you're nodding your head. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, right. The, the two that got away from the Yankees, whether it's 2004 against the Red Sox, Mariano Rivera, or whether it was, what was it, 2002 against the Arizona Diamondbacks, Mariano Rivera. There have been Mariano Rivera failings at, at several times in his career. 
But more often than not, Mo felt like he came through. And I'm telling you, more often than not, 13 starts to six starts. And two remarkable World Series starts. Closing out a Game 7 of the NLCS. I'm not telling you the narrative that he's not as good in the postseason as he is regular season is wrong, but I think there's some context to it. And at some point, we just got to admit he's really, really good. But the strike zone shrinks, the players, uh, you're playing against the best of the best. And he has been worn down. And I, I think it's reasonable to think he's human. He's not a robot, but he's also not a choker. Uh, part of this is me personally cheering for Clayton Kershaw because he's not been one of those guys that says, but, 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 but if I had better bullpen, I wouldn't have stayed in as long all of those years. But, but, but if you hadn't used me so much in the regular season, but he, none of it. Last night, he was fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Byer, where are you on, um, uh, where are you on Clayton Kershaw? Um, I always, I always felt that it was a, a a bit harsh for his previous, but I, I, I mean, I just, I, I think that that he is he is great, and I think that you know, like when I think of postseason pitchers overall, you yep. know, most recently is Madison Bumgarner, but when you compare like the two regular season, you know, Kershaw is far and away. So I just, I don't think that I never thought that he was as bad of a postseason pitcher as people uh, felt, but I. Also, will say that I don't know if last night will change anything because I do think that you kind of need those Madison Bumgarner moments to really, really change things. Fair, that makes fair. Sense. So it's a little bit like the debates where people are dug in on their "I love Clayton Kershaw." Clayton Kershaw's a choker, and even though there's new data or a new argument to be made, you're like, "Yeah, it's fine. I still know who I'm voting for." Yeah, yeah. And it was never that I was I was never anti Clayton Kershaw. I just don't think that the narrative is going to change, you know, per se from a game one of a World Series. Like it would have to be like, wow, Ker-, you know, the Kershaw came into re- you know sort of thing if it if it happened this series to then change things. If he comes back and he pitches another gem in the World Series and he closes it out, let's say he what's, is he slotted for game five? All right, let's let's say he yeah, because now there's days off. I, right, right. Yeah. Let, let's say he pitches game five and they win in five. Does that change it? Um, yeah, I, 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 I think slightly. I also think it'll be a World Series that maybe just kind of is forgotten. So that's the one thing about like with Bumgarner's situation with you know him coming in in Kansas City was it was a Game Seven, yeah, and you know everything was on the line, and you're like, oh my goodness, even even in 2001 with Randy Johnson coming in. Uh, for Arizona against the Yankees in pitching, like you know, it's not that it's not that Clayton Kershaw's efforts, if he were to do that, were less than what Randy Johnson did or what Madison Bumgarner did. It's just the situation, the height of the situation that ends up allowing you to, which is not fair. I I 100 percent agree right. that it wouldn't be fair, but I just think that's it's how reality. we do things. It's yeah. the it's, re- it's the reality. It's for whatever reason in our minds, we believe that a game. Five of a World Series, it has more pressure on it than a game one of a World Series, which, you know, I look, I've never played in a World Series, but I, I find that one hard because you want to win every game. Yeah. Right. No. It's yeah. not like, well, look, if I don't win this one, we're okay. Like, no, you don't. And I understand when you're an elimination game, it's a little bit different. Um, but, and I'm not trying to convince people. I'm not sitting here trying to convince people that they've had it wrong about him. I just think there is some context needed. And there have been moments in which he stepped up and made plays and been a lights-out pitcher. And last night was one of those moments. All right, coming up next, um, Tua Tungavailoa is the new starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. But wait till you hear some of the reaction, some of the kind of surprising reaction out of uh, out of Miami today, including Ryan Fitzmagic, not happy about being benched. That's next. But first, what are you doing November sixth and seventh? Like, let me look at my calendar. Because you're going to want to clear your schedule and catch the best thoroughbreds from around the world compete in the Breeders' Cup World Championships live from Keeneland Racecourse in Lexington, Kentucky. It's the biggest international horse racing event of the year featuring 14 championship races worth over $31 million in purses and awards. 
It's two-day celebration of the sport of horse racing that promises legendary performances and epic payouts. You don't want to miss a single minute. Some of the most thrilling moments in racing history have taken place at the Breeders' Cup. Zenyatta in 09, American Pharaoh in 2015. Who will be making history this year? What unforgettable moments we'll be talking about years from now when we think of the 2020 Breeders' Cup. You have to tune in to find out. Learn more Breeders' Cup World Championships at breederscup.com slash 2020. That's breederscup.com slash 2020. Catch all the live action on November 6th and 7th. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. You know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has the tires that'll elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporting handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from a full line of general tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com to see their general tire test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Um, the crazy thing about John Smoltz is he could tell you as much about college basketball as he could about Major League Baseball, but he's been educating all of us on what's going on in baseball. It's just a, it's a treat to listen to a guy who really, really is invested, uses his own personal experiences, knows all the players, tells you what's going to happen before it happens. It, it, I, I'm annoying watching the World Series now because I'm like, shh, I want to watch, listen to what John Smoltz has to say. Speaking of which, he joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, what was it like last night in a World Series where the place is, I don't know, a quarter full? Uh, yeah, John, you got to punch him through. That works. Uh, John, what was it like last night when, when the place is like a quarter full? It's a little weird because you got the combination of the fans and then the the pumped in noise and volume. But um, you know, in a, in a perfect world, I know it can't work this way. It would be tremendous if baseball could go to a neutral site and no travel for the World Series. I think the the players 
enjoy it more. But the definite difference is the fans. There is so much more adrenaline and pressure that can be put on when the home crowd is doing their thing against the visiting team. So this year, you know, you go from no fans to having some fans. And the Braves-Dodgers uh, series was more of a, a Braves crowd. And this one's more of a Dodgers crowd. And that has a lot to do with, obviously, the the location. But I just think uh, some fans and, and the, what they've had is better than – it's just so missed. I mean, the fans yeah. that uh, make our – it's just so missed. And yeah, and, I just, and, and working for Fox, one of the things that Fox is famous for is those cutaways to the fans, right, with the close-up to the fans. They're just, like, gripping something. You know, like, you, like the look on their faces, I just it paints the picture of what it's like. And we, we, we think of, you know, uh, Orioles, Yankees. Uh, what was the kid's name in right field that, that caught right. – Right. And then we – and Steve Bartman. Like, fans have become, a, at times, parts of the game. Um Okay, so Kershaw before last night. Like, look, I love Kershaw. Um, I'm, you know, not just he has the same birthday as my son. My son's left-handed. I'm like, that guy's how you want to be as a pitcher. He's never complained or pointed fingers when things have gone poorly. But things at times have gone poorly for him in postseason play. Heading into last night, if you gave your honest evaluation of the postseason Clayton Kershaw, what would have been? I would have thought he was going to be really good this year. I really felt that the condensed season, there's two halves to the postseason career of Clayton Kershaw. It's the first half, dynamic, young, going to carry the club on his back, going to pitch every third, you know, pitch three days rest if he needed to, come out of the pen, carry 240 innings in the regular season. The young Kershaw could handle that. But what ends up happening in the postseason, in my opinion, is sometimes the flukish thing happens and it gets you get blown away by it and I think instead of blowing it off Kershaw tries to go in my opinion twice as good as he can be in the regular season he can't do that no one can it's the same with Glavin and Maddox when they were so fine in their mechanics and pitches in the regular season then they try to be extra fine extra good and you just don't have that ability so I think with Clayton sometimes I watch the game and I see him give up a home run or something happen and he looks almost shocked instead of, okay, no big deal. Let's go get the next one. He's carrying a narrative. I felt unfairly on his back for most of his career because of those three flukish games that changed his whole postseason narrative. Like the name on your back has such an advantage until all of a sudden you show a crack. And then all of a sudden the name on your back, the other team goes, well, he's, he's not superhuman. Now we can, you know, maybe this is the area we can get him. And so many of those games individually were crazy in how they came about that it just built this uh, what's wrong with Clayton Kershaw narrative. And I'm telling you, in the postseason, if he can get to where I thought this year he's been, um, he will get over that hump and never look back, even though that he's older. Yeah. And and you could almost see it, 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 it at times starts to annoy him in, in a way where um, it's a it, – no one wants to be asked those questions constantly. Like, he could have four straight ga- great games in a row and have one clunker, and what is everyone going to say? Clunker, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. he's 12 same, and 12. Same and, old same old I, Clayton, yeah. Right, and so that's what I love and hate about the postseason. I love that every time I took the mound, I had a chance to answer those questions, and not so much in a great way. But what it brought out in me was an ability to slow everything down. I had the ability to go to the, you know, mix and match in the strike zone. And I think you got to embrace it so, so that you are, are content in your own skin that whatever happens. And just know that you got to treat it like a fluke. And so I thought last night, I saw something in the first inning, looked a little tight, looked a little like maybe he wasn't connected with his pitches. And that's why I said, if he gets out of the first inning, he's going to cruise. Yeah. I, I've seen it too much, and he did. And he gave up one, one, one home run. And, and that you could just sense that, that there was a sigh of relief for him going game one, and, and, and maybe you know this helps him turn the corner. It's, it's interesting, the power of the postseason. Of course, Cody Bellinger had the big home run in game seven against the Braves. He had the home run last night. So if you asked average fan, Cody Bellinger would be like, oh, he's awesome. He's amazing. He's the NLMV. Like, he actually had a bad year. But right. because of these massive, massive moments. Um, uh, but last night was in, you know, like they've had two nights in a row, two kind of games in a row where 
anything that could have gone their way, with the exception of Bellinger dropping that ball late, seemed to kind of go their way. Uh, in, In your mind, do things ultimately even out, or is this some sort of destiny for the Dodgers? Well, I really think the Dodgers have put themselves in a position where, I don't mean this literally, they have so many choices that sometimes you can get a little too creative and a little too smart and, and, and bring the other team back in the fray. If they stick to their process, and that's why I thought the tournament format had a better, it was better for them because they're, they were going to have to use their depth. Even though they got down three games to one, I felt like the depth was too strong against the, the Braves, and it proved to be true. Uh, but they put so much heat on the other team offensively by either taking walks, long at-bats, that they make you have to pitch perfectly against them. You can, you can do it. You can beat this team, and the, and the Rays can certainly do that, but they're going to have to have five pieces pitch great, what I mean the starter and four relievers. And I think that was the format going in. Game one didn't kind of, kind of go that way. But I just, I just think the Dodgers in their philosophy offensively, one through nine, you know, the Rays don't get much out of the bottom of their order. The Braves didn't get much out of the bottom of their order. You can't say that for the Dodgers. They get big home runs. They get big hits. It's a lengthy order, and there's no doubt that Mookie Betts is a difference maker. I want to ask you about Mookie Betts. Um, the conversation has started. Mookie Betts or Mike Trout? You're, you know, I, I know they're a little bit different ages. They're different players, different body types, uh, different styles. You can only pick one. Pick one. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, mainly the easy answer is Mike Trout. Uh, but Mike Trout hasn't had a chance to get to the postseason to see what he could do and carry a club by himself. I mean, here's what I thought about Mike Trout when he came into the league. He could seal a base anytime he wanted. He could hit for power, hit for average. He beat you with his defense and his legs. I, I think the legs have been taken from him because of the philosophy. And that's exactly what Mookie Betts is, minus a little bit of power. It's like half one dozen the other. I mean, you got a center fielder. Mookie Betts could play center on any team, but he's such a weapon because of what Bellinger can do. Um, it's it's really – you're not going to go wrong with either – Mookie Betts is going to win an MVP, yeah. and we all know that Trout could have had how many? 17 by now. So it, it, it's, a, uh, it's a great question, and it really is more to do with if you need somebody to carry a team, Mike Trout, if you need somebody to be a difference maker in a team that's already really good, I mean, Mookie Betts does that uh, for the Dodgers. Yeah, it feels like Mookie Betts or Mike Trout, and the answer is yes. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, John Smoltz joining us. Um, Buck doing okay up there? Like, he's doing seven in seven days. I mean, granted, uh, he's he's not going through a terminal to fly. And 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 I'm and I'm sure he's got food and makeup and and he's sleeping in a really nice hotel room. But how's he hanging in? You know, it's amazing. I'm uh, I'm blown away by. I don't know that. I just don't know many people that can do this transitional change and on the fly. And, and you know, I love working with Joe, and he makes my job so easy. Um, it, it, it. I don't think. Um, I know I couldn't do it like that, but he's. He's one of the best, and, and it transitions like it's like he's been following both all year long, and it really is amazing. Um, and I uh, I marvel every time we get around this time of the year when I see uh, this not even it's not even close to the same sport. Like the, the 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 knowledge factor is is so different what you have to have in football than in baseball. It's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, and the the cadence is there. Like so many things, the cadence is different. Obviously, you're working with different people, not just directors, but 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 talent. You know, working with Troy, who's worked with the year, now working with you. It's 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 just it's fascinating to see. And all, those those really elite play by play guys are almost all like. Mensa members are all crazy smart, and the stuff they can stack in their head is just is is remarkable. Um, let's say the Dodgers, it's let's say it's close in these games. Any idea what they're going to do in the ninth inning? Because I I've watched them all year, and I really don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's cut and dry. I know that there's been a nice bounce back by Kenley, and that's great for the Dodgers. It just gives them more luxury. And again, it goes. That's what I'm saying. It goes to that luxury of options. The postseason provides moments that, for managers, it is the 
difficult, most difficult thing to do and not lose faith in your guy. I mean, there only takes one bad outing and you go, oh, now we've got to pitch a man down. And they've done that two different times with Kenley, and Kenley has come back, been the ultimate team player, and fixed whatever he's been dealing with with his cutter, and it looks so much better now. And so that that's like adding a pitcher again. And then you'll see, you know, moments like last night where a couple pitchers may not have it. It is a difficult task managing a bullpen when you have to manage a lot of pieces of it. But again, the Dodgers have a lot of resources. Look what Washington had to do last year. They basically had a three-man bullpen. They they couldn't go to almost every guy, and they were they miraculously won the World Series because their starters were kind of mixed in in relief. They did an unbelievable job. So uh, I know this about bullpenning, and the Rays would love to mix and match and get into a game where they get the lead. It's over. I mean, that's how good their bullpen's been, and they just need the lead by the fifth or sixth inning, and we're talking about a totally different series. So this World Series is going to be played shorter for the Dodgers, yep. and, of course, the, the Rays want to play it as long as possible because they can lengthen a game with their with their incredible arm. Yeah, it reminds me, the Cubs had basically three relievers. I don't know, Joe Madden just stopped trusting his bullpen a couple years ago, and they, it took yes, them seven games, but, right. they, but they, they won. Um, last thing, you told, and this is where I learned, every time I'm watching, I learned something about baseball I didn't know. You were talking about how when you moved to the bullpen, then I, I think it was in the playoffs, you, you had to throw extra innings, and you were just absolutely exhausted because the conditioning is so different. Having, yeah. do, having done both, um, which is harder? Back end, you know, back end of the World Series or front end? Yeah, the back end. Let me tell you. Let me tell you the, the difference in how we were able to be reared up and do our job. We were trained to throw 250, and that was no big deal. 250 innings. Um, you train like a marathon, and you just know that each game you're you're going to pitch eight or nine innings. That's your mindset, and so your condition. Don't get me wrong. At the end of 1996, when I had close to 300 innings. I was gassed, yeah. tapped out, lost that game, one nothing to the Yankees, Sandy Pettit. I was done, shoulder done. But then the year I had 55 saves and the year that I pitched in the postseason the following year and had three innings out of relief to win an elimination game out of relief, I, I've never been so tired in my life. And yet I would pitch eight or nine innings on a regular, you know, seven, eight on a regular basis. It's the training and the sprints that you have to do and the adrenaline that gets to you. And when you're forced to do something totally different or out of your comfort zone, it takes a while. It's an adjustment. And so those guys that come in, even though it's this is not this is a condensed version, that bullpen was gassed for the Rays going through that seven games with the Houston Astros. They needed those two do off days and maybe part of the reason why um Tyler Glass now pitched so many had so many pitches just yeah. to give the rest of those guys one more day rest. So it's an incredible mental. See, you get to the postseason in the World Series, you have to play mental gymnastics, not only with the narratives that change. Oh, they're done. Oh, they're back in it. No, this series is over. You know, And that back and forth will wear you out, but it's also the way that you go about your business and you're just getting up and down a lot. So it's it's the adrenaline's awesome, but remember, the half that adrenaline's gone because the crowd's not there. Yeah, you know it's interesting. That adrenaline, you, you, that, that is a big thing. No, no, no question. Especially you know when you when you get when you're exhausted, you need it to kind of dial it up. You know the Glassdale thing. I mean, as big as he is, and they seem to every guy out of their pen is like six five and above and just throws gas. It's interesting. Uh, Tom Holiday's a friend of mine. He was the head coach at Oklahoma State when I was there. Of course, his son's now the head coach, and he told me he's like, look, one of the big changes in baseball is. You used to put a big guy at first base and make him do a power hitter. You know now now they're all pitchers, and yeah. and that that's where is that is that fair? Is that why we're seeing all these six five and above tall drink of waters come out just throwing gas? Yeah, and they're training they're training these guys to throw it through a brick wall. And and, and I'll tell you, never have we seen velocity like this. But I, I still have a theory that it's going to come around. If you can train guys to throw a baseball in a particular area and perfect that, you're going to be much better than if you just throw 100 to 101 in a big, big square box. I think that's the, still the beauty of baseball is if you know where it's going, you're going to be real successful. Yeah. If you're just basically rearing back and letting it go, you're going to be successful. But I don't think it's long term, and I think you can get away with it, and that's the way baseball's tried to piece things together. Okay, you gave me four. I'll get the next donkey in here throwing 100, then the next guy throwing 100, and I'll just piece it together like that. So that's the difference kind of in today's baseball where, you know, you don't have to be 
mechanically perfectly sound. You just have to be built to throw a ball extremely hard. And perfect example, though, last night, Kershaw, an artist with what he was doing with, with, yeah. with less velocity as opposed to Glass now, who, who can just who, who just, just guns it. Well, I got a little lefty. Hopefully he's able to paint those corners. We appreciate you joining us, uh, John, and uh, continue great work. We really appreciate your time. You got it. My pleasure. All right. It's John Smoltz. Major League Baseball and Fox analyst for uh, the World Series and all the playoffs. Coming up next, we got a little real news or fake news. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has the tires that'll elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporting handling, all terrain tires for on and off road adventure. Go to tirerack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from a full line of BF Goodrich tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRat.com sports to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio. You know, um, huh. we we do this thing as as guys, and I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to chastise you because you may not be like me, but we have to learn accountability, right? We just, I, I feel like we do, and. It's a hard thing, especially for kids nowadays, because I don't know if it's how we were brought up. And But, you know, when a kid gets, I said this for long, when we got in trouble in school, 
John, do you ever get in trouble in school? Like, you don't strike me as somebody who ever got in trouble. Uh, I would say no. I do. One time I was late for school. We went to McDonald's before class, and the principal of uh, detention or whatever uh, went to McDonald's and found us there. So I, that I did get in trouble for, but for ninety nine percent of the time, I did not. Right, right. I I can't lie. I did get in trouble. <laughs> um, and I can tell you that any time I got in trouble, there was hell to pay at home, and there was never any of this like, oh, the teacher. Now, kid gets in trouble, and most parents will say like. You know, the teacher's just unreasonable. Or, or they'll, they'll call the principal about the teacher just to make sure that the teacher's on the up and up. And look, I, I'll be, you know, I'm probably letting you in on too much. We had an issue our, our first year in California where my son was actually called in because there was an incident where a teacher, his teacher had allegedly pushed another kid. And like, you know, at the time, what was he like eight years old? Like, you know, just tell the truth. And he said what he saw. And that was it. So sometimes it has been the teacher a little bit, but not every time. And we, we see this, I coach AAU basketball. You know, when the kid plays poorly, it's something about the coach or about the other kids. We don't, we don't teach them that sometimes it's you. Like I think as, as adult males, you know, you go, if you ever gone to therapy, you're like, at some point you got to go like, yeah, Hey, you know what? I am kind of a pain in the ass. I do this and my relationships may go sideways because of me, not because, well, she's crazy. I like guys always say, well, she's crazy. Well, maybe you made her crazy, right? It's interesting. We're in this place with the Dallas Cowboys where they're a mess and it's really hard to tell, are they this bad or are they just so injured that they can never get to whatever potential they had previously? Yesterday, there was a story. Jane Slater is a friend of the program, works at the NFL Network. She plus also has the Boys and Girl podcast for the Dallas Cowboys. It's on the Herd Podcast Network. Um, Jane Slater broke the story. She had a quote from an unnamed player who said, you know, they're not teaching us. They're not good at their jobs. This is Mike McCarthy responding to those reports. You don't want to be stubborn and, and just do things and do things. And, and that's why I think it's important for all of our players and coaches. And it's something that I've stated in the first meeting. Let's just handle these things as men. Let's, let's talk to one another. I'm your guy. I mean, I'll, I'll talk to anybody, you know, in our, in our inner circle. I mean, I'll either agree or disagree with you. And, and um, I think it's important. But at the end of the day, it's about winning. We're, we're in a business of putting players in position to win. Uh, so that's an, an, a non-answer answer. That's basically him saying, really, you're going to go to a reporter instead of airing those grievances in one of our meeting rooms, right? Like, wh- wh- what are you doing? Which I would, I would agree with. You know, if you, if you challenge coaches, especially, and, you know, we, we don't actually talk about this a lot, but I, I think if you challenge coaches, like the first thing you should do, if you think your coach doesn't know what he's doing or if he's putting you in a bad position, the first thing you should do is you go and sit with that coach in his office and be like, can I, can we have an open discussion about something, just something I've seen? The second chance you have is in your position meeting group meetings where you can air your grievances. You have to do it kind of politically correctly. You can't just go like, well, this won't work. Or that didn't work. That's on you guys. The third chance you have is in any sort of team meetings. And of course you can be very vague. Hey, you know, just just so everybody's aware, like some of the stuff we don't really understand and it's new to us and we don't, and we're not sure if it's being taught. Maybe we can slow down and, and break down and go back over things. If all of those are exhausted and then you go to the head coach and n- there's no change, well then, yeah, like you're like, look, I brought it up with my coach, my position coach in the meeting room with the defense, with the head coach. I've done it over the last couple of weeks and nothing has changed. Well then, yeah, by all means, if you want to go and tell Jane Slater, like we've been working on this and they're not getting any better, we're not getting any better. I, I, I find it, uh, I, I don't find it irresponsible to go to the media. If you are five weeks into a season with a new coaching staff, when you didn't have OTAs, you didn't have a normal traditional training camp, you didn't have preseason games and you haven't aired those grievances with all of those different layers yet. 
then you know what? You're out of line going to the media. And I'm not one of these, you have to be a name source guy. Deep Throat was not a name source. And that seemed to, that seemed to be credible and brought down the president. But there's something kind of bigger at play here. This is one of those, at some point in time, it's not just the players or the coaches. At some point in time, it's the culture. How else can you explain? Now, look, the Cowboys, and this is always interesting. Everybody said Jason Garrett can't coach. Like, do you realize that they were as good the last five years as they've been since 96? Over the last five years, they won 13, 9, 10, 8. And if you go back to the last year Romo was healthy, 12, then 4 when it was Whedon and Matt Castle and other guys. Okay. Um, if, you, if you go back that year, we won four games. But if we realize since 1996, that was the last year that they had back-to-back 10-win seasons. 1996, I was a freshman in college in 1996. Okay, now here's, okay, you want to say the league is really hard. Couldn't agree with you more. League's very, very difficult. Very difficult. All right, let's take a look at, I don't know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's look at their team and their franchise index, right? Huh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they had four straight 10-win seasons up until three years ago, and last year they only won eight games, even though they played two quarterbacks after Ben Roethlisberger got hurt and neither were any good. That That's about culture. Six different times the Steelers have had back-to-back uh, double-digit win seasons since 2000. The Dallas Cowboys since 2000 have had zero. Now, part of it is they haven't changed. They only changed coaches once. Part of it is that's how ownership is. They're built around their defense. They're not flashy. They don't sign free agents for the most part. Like all of these things. But there's something to your culture and the accountability of, hey, we screwed up. Let's go get better. Hey, we don't know what we're doing. Let's talk about it. I mean, the last guy to call out anybody on the Pittsburgh Steelers was Antonio Brown. Notice he's not on the Pittsburgh Steelers anymore. You know? I mean, the same is true for the Patriots. Look how many ten consecutive 10-win seasons they've had. That's the sign of a great season in the NFL. Everyone else is between 7 and 9 and 9 and 7. You win 10 games, you've done something special. The Patriots won 10 games with Matt Castle as quarterback. There's something to the culture of Dallas. The idea that, you know, you screw up, you're still Jerry's still going to get ta- take care of you. You're still a cowboy. You know, as long as you can make plays, they'll find a home for you. It, it's just fascinating to me on how it doesn't really matter who the coach is. You can sit here and tell me, well, Mike McCarthy's not a high-end coach, and it's Jerry who screws it up because he won't hire a big-time coach. Like, okay, well, you know, I hate to be that guy, but Bill Parcells was the head coach for uh, four years in Dallas. And he got frustrated because, I mean, I know Romo dropped the snap in in the playoff game in Parcells uh, last year there when they lost in Seattle in the wild card. And Parcells, as good a coach he is, 10 wins, 6 wins, 9 wins, 9 wins. Wade Phillips, Jason Garrett, now Mike McCarthy, Chan Gailey. None of them can solve the riddle. Why? Be- because this starts at the top of their culture. You have an owner that that rewards great talent, not necessarily great teammates. How many times do we have to see it to realize that's exactly what it is? And I could use all kinds of stats. I could be critical. I don't like the Mike Nolan hire. I'm not sure if the game's passed him by, but there's a reason that he hadn't, he hadn't sniffed a coordinator job and it was payback for him hiring Mike McCarthy way back in the day. All of that said, Yes, injuries play a major factor. But the other factor is you just don't have a culture where players 
are held accountable. You don't have a culture where players are called out, where players, if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, well, damn it, you might do the wrong thing, but you'll at least do it hard. This team, if they don't know what they're supposed to be, if they're in the wrong gap, they just quit. They quit on their coaches, which does not bode well for Mike McCarthy in the short and long term, but also speaks poorly of the organization as a whole. Coming up next, a former NFL player suggesting Trevor Lawrence should go back to Clemson for another season if the Jets finish winless and have his essentially his draft rights. I'll tell you why that's absurd next. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. The one and only Daniel Jeremiah joins us. Move the Sticks is the podcast. He also does the uh, uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, it's kind of like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 watching the football games. They did that uh, special edition on Monday night. He does a lot of things. Broadcast the Chargers game. Uh, let me start with the, the story of yesterday, which is Tua Tungavailoa, name a starter. And uh, this was Ryan Fitzpatrick earlier today. This profession is interesting in that I got basically got fired yesterday, and then my day of work today consisted of me in Zoom meetings listening to the guy that fired me and then you know, locked in a, a spaced-out room you know, with my replacement for four hours today. So uh, there aren't a whole lot of jobs that are like that. He did not sound pleased as punch. Uh, He sounded, he was really surprised because he's played well. Uh, What's your reaction to the timing of the decision and the reason, the logic behind the decision? Well, I I totally understand where Fitz is coming from and and being frustrated. But to me, I think it was the right decision. And, And the reason I say that, Doug, is because there's, you have to make a decision if you're the Miami Dolphins. You wanna, do you want to chase a T-shirt that says you got in as a wild-card team or do you want to chase a title and, and try and build a team that can eventually win a championship? When you, when you think about the ultimate goal of building a championship team, one of the easiest ways to do that, or one of the, the best ways, I should say, to do that is to get that accomplished while you have a rookie on that first contract where you can build up around him. So the clock has already started once they took Tua in the draft. So once he proved that A, he was healthy, B, that he knew the offense well enough to be successful, and C, that he would he'd be able to handle some of the adversity that's going to come along with some of the initial struggles, you've got to put him out on the field and let him start getting those valuable reps so that you can get him up to speed and you have a chance to you know, chase the bigger prizes as you go forward. And it's to me, it's a long-term decision, and I think it was the right one. Um can't you do both? I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs did both. They they sat Mahomes the first year, played in Week 17, went to the playoffs, didn't accomplish much. Then the second year, they turned it over to him. Can't you do both? I think it's totally different. I think, first of all, Patrick Mahomes um, had a lot more um, to develop in terms of where he was when he entered the league. I mean, it, he couldn't spit out a play call when he first got there. We see the MVP that he is now. Uh, but he had he had further ground to go. That was a team that was capable of, of being, you know, a, a, a team capable of making a run to be in a conference championship game type talent there with Kansas City. This Miami team's not at that level. And I think two was more equipped to get out of the field and play uh, right away. So um, I think it's a little bit different. And I just think you want to get him up up to speed and get him uh, get him rolling. I, I don't think the, you know, I think it's going to be a little bit of a drop off initially from Fitz to Tua but I don't think it's going to be much. I, I, I tend to agree, and people forget that Fitz is 37. It's not like he's, you know, in, in his prime. Uh, but, boy, he, he seemed really surprised by it. I guess he probably expected it to happen if he was playing poorly. Keep in mind he was playing against the Jets, and they got a bye week, and I, I feel like this was a little bit predetermined. Daniel Jeremiah joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. By the way, do you have Dodger fever yet, and Mr. Padre fan? Uh, so gross. Uh, I know. I thought you would have been an Angels. Fan. I am an Angel uh, fan. I, I am an okay. Angel fan. But here's my logic behind it. Like, I got I got no bones to pick with Clayton Kershaw. I just yeah. I feel like the dude has been he was overused so often and he made some mistakes and I I kind of just want to see him win it. Plus, I feel like the Astros th- that Astro World Series is tainted and mm-hmm. this would one further taint it. But it would it would right a little bit of a wrong if they won. I, I like the Dodgers. Yeah. I love the Angels. Yeah, I mean, look, it's somebody you grew up in San Diego, you're conditioned to just hate everything about the Dodgers. But I will say um, it's Clayton Kershaw is easy to like. Um, and I would say Mookie Betts is impossible to hate. I mean, like uh, Mookie Betts is so, so good and so fun to watch. I mean, that, I'm sure you can do segment after segment about how Boston allowed that to happen. But, 
you know, look, it, I have I have a lot of Dodger uh, fan friends, and the people that I'm friends with, I'll actually be happy for them when they win it because they've, uh, they, you know, we're close and they're good. And it'll be fun for them. But there's another segment of Dodger fan that's just obnoxious, oh, obnoxious. So no, it's yeah. obnoxious. It's obnoxious. It's those section they were all in on Manny World, and they forget that Manny was the juice head back when it was it was Manny World. So I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm with you on on that one. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, our guest on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. You and I have discussed the Mike Nolan hire. Now yep. you have Mike McCarthy who has to defend uh, him and his coaching staff because somebody told Jane Slater our coaches are bad at their jobs. How much of it is mismatched personnel for what they're doing? How much of it is the coaching and maybe the league passing Mike Nolan by? And how much of it is entitled players lacking effort? And how much of it is injuries? Because I don't know anybody who's winning without three offensive linemen their starting quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. You know, I'll, I'll answer a couple part of it, parts of it here. I, I, can't, I can't do the injury thing because, I mean, I, I, look, you're gonna, you might not win games, but you can't use it as an excuse. The Philadelphia Eagles, I'm getting ready to do their game for Thursday. They've played 13 offensive linemen this year. They, they, I mean, but they're, they're, but they're one. They're one three and one, right? I, know, I mean, like that's what I'm saying. But you I'm can't. Saying we can go through. We can go through all of these teams that are they're not playing well, and you can say they're they're, they're all injury correct injury teams. Yes, that's fair. But, Why is it not fair? No, I, I think you can say that they're all having injuries, but I think the way that it's discussed is that the Dallas Cowboys are the only team in the National Football League that's playing without guys like everybody is, is playing without guys. The 49ers obviously have a better football team, but you look at the guy that they're missing. I mean, so I don't know. I, I just, it's a weird year. There's a lot of injuries all over the league. I, what I'm, my point that I'm getting to is we can argue about, is it, is it this injury? Is it that we can't argue about the effort that we saw from the Dallas Cowboys that we've seen. That's indisputable. Now, if you want to say that the games pass Mike Nolan by, or that he's, you know, he's not the right answer for them. And, and the players are upset with him. Yeah, I get it. Maybe you are, maybe he has, but I can't answer that. What I can't answer is you guys don't play very hard. Uh, that's that's what I can't. Okay, answer. okay. So so, but do they not play hard because they don't believe in what they're being told? Do they not play hard because you know that Jerry will take care of them and have their back eventually? Like, or do you? If you're Steven, do you you cut somebody? You know, you walk in, you just cuts. Just like you know, it's like you fire somebody if you own a business in order to get get the message through to everybody else. Yeah, I would probably go that route. I mean, Doug, look at it from basketball. I'd love to get your take on this. You've been on teams. I'm sure you didn't agree with where the offense was running or how it was being done. It does never excuse you not hustling to get back on defense. Like that stuff's just stuff you're taught when you're a little kid. Just just hustle. That's just actually, run. That, that's I actually I, I coach 11 and 12 and 13 year olds, and mm-hmm. I and 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 every game I take guy and their parents are like, why'd you take him out? I was like, like we took him out because it was turnover. I was like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. You assumed I did. I took him out because after he turned the basketball over, then he looked at me, looked at the ref, did something with his hands instead of getting his ass back on defense and helping his teammates out. <laughs> yeah. That's why it was yeah. like, no, you took my kid out because he missed the, the shot. Like, no, 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 it was a bad shot. It was a terrible shot. It was an awful shot. I was not happy with the shot. But that's why I took him out. I took him out because if you don't, you can do that, but don't run back on defense. You're going to make bad decisions. That, that that's not a bad decision. That's a lack of effort. So I, 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 I get it. I just, how do they get to this point to where like you got dudes? I mean, they they just look awful. Yeah, they're just not very competitive. Um, so. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is there. I, I know usually when you have issues like that, you usually go younger yep. because you know younger guys, you hungry. know, are trying to make a name for themselves. Yeah. They're hungry and they're they're gonna they might be going the wrong direction, but they're gonna go there 100 miles an hour. Uh, what what happened with the Packers? Why they just melted down after the second pick? What what happened? Well, I just got beat up up front. You know. I mean, I thought they the, this that Tampa team dominated the line of scrimmage, and Ronald Jones ran it down their throats. I mean, that to me would be the uh, that would be the uh, discouraging thing is having seen what the Niners did to them, and then seeing Tampa, who has a very physical offensive line, and I saw it, and I saw it in the Charger game. They're in for Ronald Jones had over 100 yards in that game, so he's he's rolling right now. But the Packers, um, as good as the quarterback is, and uh, and he's tremendous. I, the, the belief around the league and the thought about the Packers around the league is once it gets into a street fight and it gets down and dirty and it comes down to what you have up front on the line of scrimmage, that they're just not quite good enough. How does it reflect on Aaron Rodgers? Well, I, I almost think in some ways that 
it points out that he's been able to elevate what is not the uh, not the greatest group in in front of him uh, that he's had there. So I, I think they've they've kind of been labeled as having one of these you know one of a great offensive line or one of the upper echelon offensive lines. I think it's just okay. Um, I don't think it's great, and and I don't think Aaron's you know capable of being able to to lift everybody else up around him when they're getting that dominated up front. And I don't know that necessarily says a whole lot about Aaron as much as as what he's got. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. That that's the voice of Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, I played sound of Roddy White saying, hey, if I was uh, advising Trevor Lawrence and the Jets get the number one pick, I'd tell him to stay in school. I was like, yeah, it sounds cool to say, but that's not the reality, right? Like, I, actually, if I'm the Jets, I'd trade that pick if I get it anyway because I still have faith in Darnold, and they have so many holes that they could shore up. But I, I operate, there's no possible way in which he goes back to school, is there? I don't think so. And, and look, I know... Um, I know their general manager very well. We've been friends for, for 20 years and worked together for a long time. And I know they're, they're a, a complete mess right now. He hadn't had really much of a chance to put his imprint on that team. Yep. So when I, when I look at it and I look at somebody who's spent, you know, the majority of his career under Ozzie Newsom and the most stable franchises in the NFL, and that's how he's brought up, Joe Douglas is not an idiot. And this is a team where if you want to look at two different scenarios, right, say you have the number one pick, and what you were saying, if you want to, you know, build around Sam, and I'm I'm a big Sam uh, believer. If you can get the right pieces there, you could auction that off. You're talking about three first round picks you'd get for that first overall pick. I mean, you get a boatload of picks. But keep in mind, they already have uh, an extra first round pick this year and next year from Seattle. So if they let's say that they want to take Trevor Lawrence one one, right? You take Trevor Lawrence. That's one pick. That means you also have the first pick in the second round, which is pick 33. You've got Seattle's pick, which is going to be in the you know bottom of the first round. That's three first-rounders. And I guarantee you, you could trade Sam Donald for a late one to one of those good teams that would never get a quarterback of that quality. So you could start next year with four of the top 33 picks to build a, a young team with who I, I think they have when he's healthy and he's missed a couple games here. Mekhi Becton's got a chance to be the best left tackle in the entire league. So now you've got a pretty good young nucleus, and you've got two first-round picks the next year. So... I think I think people look at these situations and think they're eternal, and it's like, nah, they, they could they could get this thing turned around. It, it's not going to take quite as long as it as ugly as it looks right now. No, I I, I agree. Just you know, it's I've I've used the getting my house painted analogy. I remember halfway through, I was like, paint it back, and you know, I waited till it was painted and took a took a lap around it. It's like, you know what? I actually kind of like it. It's it's hard when when a when a rehab project is is halfway done. Daniel Jeremiah, our guest on the Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, a couple more kind of kind of quickies, if you will. Um, but I felt like you know Garoppolo played better, but there's still some frustration there. Uh, what's your sense of Garoppolo and Shanahan in that mix? I still doesn't feel like it's long for me. I mean, it, it does not feel like this is going to be something that goes forward for a long time. But when I was thinking about teams for, for Sam Darnold, if the Jets did trade him, I mean, that to me would be a perfect spot uh, for somebody like that. I think Sam Darnold's a better player than Jimmy Garoppolo. It just shows you the difference between situations, right, uh, of where you land and who you're around. Um, I just – I don't get the sense that, that Kyle totally trusts him. I mean, that's that's the sense I come yeah. away with every time you I watch think, that I think, I think everybody watched the NFC Championship game in the Super Bowl and thought the exact same thing, and it hasn't changed. And rightfully so. We've seen what happens when he does trust him is that he, he, he makes – he makes a boneheaded error or two. Uh, OBJ takes off his helmet and his shoes in classic OBJ fashion. What do you do if you're Cleveland? You got to figure out how to get your quarterback playing better. He's, I mean, I, he's just not that good. I, I don't think. I know. He's I, just not that good. I think we, we talked about it. You remember? I remember us chatting about that during that draft, uh, leading up to that draft, and. The question was with Baker is, look, I think entering into the game, entering into the NFL, um, he's going to be ahead of some of these guys and he's going to have a chance to have some success early on, but he's hitting his head on the ceiling. Like he is what he is. He's played a lot of football. He's played well at the college level, but he has limitations. And I don't know that you're necessarily going to see him continue to improve and get better. And we just haven't seen that. I think he played his best football as his first year. Um, so now you're Cleveland and you're thinking, geez, we thought we finally had one here. You know, it's it's tough if you don't if you don't hit a home run when you're taking a quarterback one one. That's a tough one. DJ, great stuff, man. Look forward to hearing you Thursday night. Thanks so much for joining us on Fox Sports Radio. All right, see you, bud. The world's biggest Dodger fan, Daniel Jeremiah, joining us 
on the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio. That, that's, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. He's a huge Padre fan. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.